morning. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. And as you do that, join with me in the prayer to the Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever enjoy his consolations. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Now drop down to verse 31, and we'll go through 33, and then drop down to 44 through 52. And this is coming from the NRSV translation. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until it was all leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and reburied. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, and put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all this? They answered, Yes. And he said to them, Therefore, Every scribe who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. What is the kingdom of heaven? At first glance, it may appear that the kingdom of heaven is heaven. But when you look a little closer, you find the truth. The kingdom of heaven is where God reigns as king, which is everywhere. And it's also why the terms kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God are used interchangeably throughout scripture. We know that he's not referring to heaven. Jesus never refers to heaven as the kingdom of heaven, only as paradise or life after death. We can also be sure he's not referring to the actual location because of Luke 17, 20 through 21, which says, One day the Pharisees asked Jesus, When will the kingdom of God come? Jesus replied, The kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there. For the kingdom of God is already among you. So Jesus is referring to something already on earth. Something that is everywhere. Jesus is the king of the kingdom. So Jesus is the king of all. Jesus already rules everything. It is up for you to decide if you'll let him rule your life now or if you never accept him. Because one day you will confess that he is Lord. That's very clearly told in Philippians 2, 10-11, which says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So don't wait until you're out of time. There's no time like the present, so you might as well make it today.
Make today the day that you let Jesus rule your life. Now that we've established what the kingdom of heaven is, we're going to look at why Jesus used parables. In this chapter, and more specifically in these verses, Jesus is talking about a topic that is very difficult to understand for most people. If Jesus had simply described it, then it would go over a lot of people's heads. And it wouldn't stick into our brains as well. We remember stories because we like stories. When someone is telling a story, everyone always leans in. It's fun to listen to a story. Stories bring people together. They resonate with people. That's why people prefer reading story-driven books over something like a school textbook. There's a lot more you could learn from a school textbook, but that doesn't excite you. It doesn't get you invested. Listing off information is a lot more boring than or listening, it, uh, listening to it told in other forms. That's why people use songs to memorize things like the alphabet. So when Jesus uses parables, they're meant to draw us in so we listen, learn, and remember. So we need to lean in and learn what Jesus was trying to teach by starting off with talking about the mustard seed. The mustard seed appears a few times in the scriptures. This is one time, and the other, arguably the more famous one, is when Jesus says that if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could move a mountain, and that nothing would be impossible. So the big question is, why mustard seed? If you've ever seen a mustard seed, it's pretty small. Uh, there it is up on the screen. That small dot on that person's finger is the amount of faith you need to move mountains. And in these verses, Jesus talks about the mustard seed again. And this time, he says that the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, is like a mustard seed that grows into a tree. And that tree houses birds. The tree, in these verses, shows how the kingdom of God goes from a small little seed to something that is quite large. This particular tree can grow to be about 10 feet tall, and it looks like that. When Jesus says that the mustard seed is the smallest seed that grows into the largest bush, he's not talking literally. There's smaller seeds. There's bigger trees. He's speaking in a way to show the immense growth from such a small little seed to a large shrub. And the point of saying that the seed is small and the bush is large is not about the size, but rather about the growth. He is showing how the kingdom of God goes from a small, almost almost insignificant thing into a large kingdom towering over everyone. The next point Jesus brings is that there are birds in the tree. The birds represent other people in this case. They show how people can find rest in the kingdom of God through you. You are meant to spread God's kingdom by showing it to the world and offering rest to others. When you become a safe place for people and they get close to you, they start to see Jesus through you. When you're following Jesus and have your life lined up with him, people will see that. They'll see God in you. Now the next parable is about the yeast. The woman in this parable only puts a small amount of yeast into the dough, but it permeates or spreads throughout the entire thing, every part of it. What does bread have to do with the kingdom of God? Well, it describes perfectly what happens when Jesus comes into your life. When he comes into your life, he spreads throughout the entire thing. He doesn't just want a part of your life. He wants the whole thing. He won't settle until he's permeated throughout every part of your life. He doesn't just want Sunday morning. He wants the whole week. 
He doesn't just want certain parts of your life. He wants it all. You can't say, yes, I want Jesus over here. You know, please come into my life. But no, not, not over here. This is my place. I, no, I don't want you over there. That's not how it works. When you surrender your life to God, you surrender your life to God. Not a part, not a large portion, your entire life. You surrender everything to him. But be weary. Although Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God in this instance, sin behaves in a similar way. Maybe it's just a small lie. It's a small little white lie that then grows into more lies. Then you either have to continue lying or just tell the truth. Maybe it's just a few drugs, just a hit, but then you become addicted. Whatever sin it is, it can spread extremely quickly if we aren't weary and ready to defend against Satan. Because Satan is real, and he wants you to do what he wants. He wants you to become a slave to sin. So don't fall into this trap, because sin is a nasty thing, and it is worthless. It only provides a temporary satisfaction. God provides eternal satisfaction. God is worth a lot more than nothing. In fact, he's worth everything. That's what Jesus tells us in the next two parables, which are about the hidden treasures and the pearl. Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered. He then bought the land the treasure was on. And he got the money by selling everything he had. The treasure is Jesus. And when you discover Jesus, it's so amazing that you can't help but get excited. The things he owned are sin. Things of his past life. Even things that don't align with what Jesus wants. You don't buy Jesus. That's not what the money is. The only price you have to pay is everything, your life. But it doesn't matter how much it costs to follow Jesus, because when you meet him in a real way, there's nothing you won't be willing to give up. Jesus is worth everything. The Pearl Parable tells the same thing. It tells us that when you find this thing of great value, when you find Jesus, you will want to sell everything. You will want to get rid of everything in order to own that, in order to have a relationship with Jesus. Because having a relationship with Jesus, being a part of the kingdom of heaven, is worth losing everything. Losing your friends, family, co-workers, loved ones, your house, your job, and even your life. So sell your life today and follow Jesus. Don't be like the rich man who became saddened when Jesus told him to sell everything he had and follow Jesus. Be glad, be joyful when you sell everything and follow Jesus. Because Matthew 19, Jesus tells us that whatever you give up, you will receive a hundred times as much, and you will receive eternal life. Take my grandparents, for instance. Some of you know them, Hal and Cindy. She's here today. They used to live in Mississippi until my grandfather was called to preach, and then called to preach in Alabama. At that time, they were leaving everything they had, they trusted Jesus and left their families, their homes, and they moved to Alabama. They hardly had anything, and they were going to a church with just a few people. Now they have 11 grandkids, and the church has grown immensely. Following God is worth leaving everything else. If you choose not to have a relationship, the next parable teaches, or Jesus teaches, is about the fishing net. In this parable, Jesus tells us that the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that is full of fish. And when the fish are dumped out, the good ones are sorted into crates and the bad ones are thrown out. 
The net is like the church. Like my dad says, the net of grace. Uh, there it is. The net of grace. As the church, we are the network of God's grace, dropping into the ocean of the world, pulling in both good and bad fish. We don't fish for one type of fish, but any that are caught in the network of grace. The dragnet of the kingdom. It's not our job to separate them. That is for God and the angels at the end. Remember the wheat in the weeds parable from last week? And a dragnet is meant to gather up not just surface-level fish, but fish that are at the bottom. We also gather those from every part of society, ranging from the top to the bottom. Jesus goes on to explain that this will happen in the end times. If you don't believe in Jesus, then you will be thrown out. There is no in-between. I won't stand up here and tell you any different than it is. Jesus clearly tells us in this parable that the wicked will be separated from the righteous. The word righteous in Greek means observing the divine law or keeping the commandments of God. You cannot be righteous on your own. You have to have Jesus. And these verses tell us that there's only two options. You either don't accept Jesus and go to what Jesus in these verses calls the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That place is hell. That is where everyone who doesn't follow God's commandments goes. There is no workaround. That's it, either heaven or hell. You choose where you go. You can choose today whether you want to follow his commandments or if you want to risk eternity, gambling more than you can even imagine, just so you can do something that you'll regret. Make the right choice today, and you'll be thankful for the rest of your life. Now, the last parable. This parable is about old and new. Jesus tells us that every scribe, or in some translations, teacher of religious law, who becomes a disciple of or trains in the kingdom of heaven, is like a homeowner who brings from a storeroom or treasure gems of old and of new. Now, in today's terms, a teacher of religious law would just be a pastor, and a storeroom is just where you store things. So a pastor who reads the Bible and is knowledgeable about God is like a homeowner who brings out gems of old and of new from his storage. What does that have to do with the kingdom of heaven? Well, it's an aspect of the kingdom of heaven. It shows that when you follow Jesus, there are some old traditions that you keep, such as the breaking of bread and communion, or baptism, even this quite large candle that my dad put up. <laughs> Those are all things that we observe today in the kingdom of heaven. But that's not the whole story. So long as we are in the kingdom of God, we will be open to new things. We have newer things here in this church. We have a stream we do every week, and that certainly hasn't been around for a long time at all. We also have slides that we put on these TVs, both of which have come around in just the past hundred years. Jesus didn't go to the tabernacle and read off of a screen like that, if you didn't know. We also have electric guitars and an electric piano. This is what Jesus wants. He doesn't want us to be caught up in the past, always worrying about messing up old traditions. He wants us to focus on how we can make our world a better place. Because I'm going to be honest, a lot of ways that were used in Jesus' time won't work now. You are most likely not going to be writing a letter like Paul. If you were to do something like Paul, then you would be writing an email at the very least. 
And even now, young people are moving more towards text messages and canceling out email altogether. The world is constantly changing. And with that comes changing the way they receive information and make their beliefs about the world. It's the church's responsibility to make sure we change with the times and don't get caught up with how things used to be that we end up failing and falling behind and not reaching anyone. I'm not saying we need to change our beliefs, simply that we need to make sure we are reaching people with God's word in an efficient way that also glorifies God. And you, as an individual person, can help with this. There are so many things that you could do to spread God's word. And I'm not just talking about here. I'm also talking about, or I'm not just talking about you. I'm also talking about myself. When we all see these videos on TikTok, YouTube, and Facebook, Instagram, whatever platform it is, we see these videos of people that are just blatantly wrong. They're lying to our face, and we know it. But some people don't. And they fall for the trap the enemy sets in place for them. They believe the lies. They aren't getting the truth in the way they receive information. You and I, as individuals, should be working to post things that glorify God and don't glorify sin or lies. These people need the truth of God, and you need to be there to give them that. Jesus tells us in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, or as some know it, the Great Commission, to share the gospel, to share God's word. So you should be doing that. There are so many people you can reach online. It's insane, really, the amount of people. There are nearly 3 billion people that use Facebook-owned services every day. Some of those people may never hear the good news of Jesus if you don't share it with them. So do as Jesus says and live in the kingdom of God. Be that tree that everyone can see and where people can find rest and shade in God's presence through you being a branch in the vine of Jesus Christ. Allow God to take over every part of your life. Share with others the great treasure that Jesus is and just how valuable he truly is. Warn them that if they aren't on the right side when Jesus comes back, and he will come back, it won't be good for them. And share these things with them through every way you can, whether it be on social media or in person, over text or dinner, new or old. Let's live in such a way that shows we have countered counted the cost, and Jesus is worth it, worth everything. May it be so, Lord Jesus. Amen. Now I'll ask our